welcome to the Boss Ladies Podcast. I'm Olivia Wary, and as a young female working in the industry of technology, I'm constantly struggling to find my voice and overcome challenges thrown my way. I've decided to have conversations with boss ladies in every industry to hear how they do it. Boss Ladies is intended to inspire women and men of all ages to overcome their fears, explore moonshot thinking, speak up for who they are and what they believe in, and move up in their respective industries. Every day we are faced with challenges, so it is my intention to empower you to get the advice you need by interviewing top executives who have been through it all. On today's episode of Boss Ladies, please welcome Kelsey Bowman. Kelsey is an actor and producer based in Brooklyn. She stars in the feature film Vanilla, which she co-produced and is an associate producer at Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Welcome today, Kelsey. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here. So you just starred in Vanilla which is a film about a freewheeling comedian who's determined to save her business. She invites an uptight entrepreneur on a road trip to sell a van. First of all, everyone should go check out the film. It was absolutely phenomenal. Actually, can you give us a little, like, where do you think people will be able to view it? Right now, it's still doing the festival circuit. I think that it's going to be in one more festival in New Jersey. I'm not sure if that happened already or not, but... They're also in talks with some people from festivals about where it could possibly be streaming. So that is all TBD after the festivals are done, which is sort of like a frustratingly long period for (laughs) for movies of our level, of our caliber. Little movies. Hey, it's a great movie. So everyone go to New Jersey and get tickets (laughs) to the film festival. Cool. So how did you like prepare for the film and what was the experience like for you? How did I prepare for the film? I I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really. Um, I mean, we talked to. So my character is a. Well, it just is that spoiling it. I think I can tell people. I think you can tell. I people. think I can tell people. Right. Okay. So my character is a sex worker, and so I think that the only thing that I mean, among other things, she's a sex worker, and <laughs> she's also a full person. Um, and I think that. The only thing that I felt like I had a responsibility to prepare for was talking to sex workers before um, and reading as much as I could and trying to get some sort of understanding about sex work so that I could feel responsible for the lines that I was saying and how I was playing this person and portraying this person. So really, that was that was it. Everything else in terms of like acting technique was just sort of learning as I was going. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about like the conversations and the research you did with sex workers? I mean, that's very interesting. Yeah. So Will, our director, he got in touch with a bunch of sex workers and there was one main person who was actually doing their thesis on sex work while also having been a sex worker for many years. And they were very helpful in just sharing their perspective about, you know, that one piece of art can't speak for everybody and that everybody has a unique experience with the type of work that they do and the type of experiences that they have doing them. So they were helpful in just not not really giving us the answers that we wanted to hear in terms of like, this is the story that you should tell about sex work because there is no singular story about sex work. 
So Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In addition to being a sex worker, it seems like Kimmy, who's your character, is very strong-minded, speaks up for herself. She's determined and like, to be honest, in my opinion, total boss lady. <laughs> um, so how do you personally relate to your character? Um, how do I personally relate to my character? Or do you personally relate to your character? I think that there are a lot of, I take a lot of issues with things about Kimmy, but I also, I also do relate to several things about her. I probably take issue with the things that I do relate to about her. I think that there's unwarranted self-hatred going on with her that I, when I was reading the script, I really wanted her to let go of these things, sort of apologizing for who she is to this guy that she doesn't owe anything to. And I think that that felt like a very universal experience to me that I think everybody can relate to at some point in your life. She, she has this sort of, uh, I don't know how to say it. This, the part in the movie, maybe this is a spoiler and you can cut it out. But um, <laughs> I mean, you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you. There, there's, a, there's a part in the film where she's describing sex work and I've, I felt very worried about it because she's sort of apologizing for it when she's explaining it to the person that she's dating. She's sort of saying, I, I'm a cam girl, but like, it's not sex. And I, th- I think as a viewer, I was watching and going, oh, she doesn't have to say that. She doesn't have to apologize for that. She doesn't have to do that for this guy who like hasn't earned any of anything from her. And I think that sort of apologizing for your presence is a thing that's super relatable I'd like to think that I've gotten past it in my life. (laughs) Um, And I'd like to think that I can now relate more to the parts of her that, uh, that are vocal and unabashed. Um, But, you know, we all go in and out of that sort of behavior. I think we all have our better moments in our weaker moments. Yeah. (laughs) I I definitely can say I do. (laughs) Um, So we sort of see her, grow I would say and develop throughout the film and and like do you think you personally learned anything from her growth um yeah I mean she grows a lot I think I think that she does this really cool thing where I think she's sort of in denial at the beginning of the movie about what she really not what she really wants because she knows she wants to be a comedian, but I feel like she's in denial about what she's actually doing to achieve her goals. And I feel like throughout the movie, she gets more willing to be vulnerable and she gets more willing to actually go on stage and do a terrible job. And I think that that's a really important part of growing is being obviously being willing to fail. <laughs> um But I think that as much as that sounds like a cliche, that's actually a really important part of being a person is like being willing to be vulnerable and being willing to fail and being willing to try things that you're not good at and then do it again and keep being not good at it to a a hugely embarrassing degree. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, by the end of the movie, I think that she she starts to get a little sliver of positive affirmation and a little sliver of, oh, maybe she made someone laugh. And I think that's super admirable. And I would like to do that in my life. Do you feel like you're already doing that, working on doing that? Yeah, I, th- I think that I try to, to try a lot of things. <laughs> I, I think this movie was just trying something, you know, so 
Yeah, I definitely do embarrassing stuff to try to get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you looking to continue acting? Is that, you know, I, I, I agreed to do this movie, like not really thinking anything about acting. I grew up acting and I love acting prior to this movie. And after this movie, I have been directing and producing and writing and those sort of comfort places for me, like being behind the camera or off screen in any regard, uh, telling other people what to do (laughs) definitely make me more comfortable than acting. I had a really hard time with just being an actor because I I was like, oh, I know how this should go. And then (laughs) someone else is coming and telling me what to do and telling me how to play something. That that was really, really hard. So, I mean, I, I definitely assume I will probably act again in life. But yeah, the, working on this made me understand how truly difficult being an actor is because you, you have to trust the people who are telling you what to do and you have to not be in control of everything. That's interesting. I guess I never really thought about the control aspect because I'm, you know, when you think of it as like for a viewer, you're like, oh, the actor, the actress has all of the control. But really... Yeah, it's you don't. the people behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. curating the. <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought that I would have more control for whatever reason, and uh, and when I would be doing something, and especially because I, I was the only woman on set, it was a very small set, so that is not an insult. Uh, it was like <laughs> five people on a road trip, making like literally five people in a car. Um, but I was the only woman. And I think that that made me really feel like when there were certain lines about feminism and certain lines about being a woman, I, I would be like, Oh, I have to play it like this. I have to do it this way. And to have a guy come and tell me notes on how to do something differently. I was like, Oh my God, I have to listen to him. (laughs) Like, no way. (laughs) Um, Did you push back at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we, we had, it was a very collaborative process. So this is not to say uh, that there was any sort of like draconian environment going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I had a lot of moments of like, I don't get that. Why do you want me to do that that way? And there was a lot of coming back and being like, okay, so I wanted you to play that part cuter, <laughs> but you're sort of just not doing that. <laughs> and me being like, um, yeah, because I'm... I don't want to play it cute. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that that was definitely, uh, uh, it, I grew a lot that way, mm-hmm. realizing like, oh, this, I, I am a control freak and this is, a, this is a really hard thing to like let go and trust people and, yeah. and just take their notes and like take them into, because acting is also super emotional, which yeah. I was not expecting because I was playing someone who was, you know, cutesy and fun on the one hand, but I also had some really like angry scenes. Yeah. So there were certain days where I was just supposed to be angry all day and I, and I would be done shooting after sometimes 16 hours and feel this actual anger like in my life. And I was like, huh, interesting. So what the actors have been saying all along is true. (laughs) (laughs) This is really hard and it like impacts you emotionally. So yeah, it was surprising. How do you recover? Like, are you, do you leave set and you're just like, I hate everything. <laughs> like, well, you know, we were also in sort of a pressure cooker filming this because 
we so we did the road trip portion of it that was a week straight and then we shot all of the new york stuff afterward and the road trip portion of it was very stressful on its own because our head person was the director and the producer and the writer and he was in it <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of the co-stars <laughs> yeah and so you have him trying to you know arrange a road trip because it's not it's not just arranging a film it's also arranging a road trip when you're filming it like this so that was sort of double duty for him and we had a a co-producer who was helping out with all of that but we needed more people, but more people couldn't fit in the car. And we thought that we were just, <laughs> we thought we were going to be doing something fun, but then it turned into something real yeah. that we could have used, you know, double the people, triple the people that we had. Yeah. Uh, so it went from being an experiment to being something that we actually wanted to get right. <laughs> and do you have any funding for it? Going into it? No. Okay. No. It so was, you guys were just like, or Will, I should say, was just like... It was all willed. Yeah. It was like... Basically, he came to me with an idea for a road trip movie a month before we went to go do it. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, yeah, we'll improvise everything. I think it could be fun because we had spent a day doing stand-up together. And we were like, oh, we have a, a really fun vibe for doing bits. This, this would be great to do improv together. And he thought that doing a road trip movie would be fun to do improv with. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm on board. And then I left to go to Los Angeles to direct a music video. So I completely didn't think about it for like two weeks. I came back and he had a full script. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And he was <laughs> like, you know, it's just like a loose script. <laughs> you don't have to stick to it. It's fine. <laughs> And then we got out on the road and then it was like, no, this is a real thing with like sides and <laughs> I have to memorize these lines. And, and then it was like, oh yeah, this isn't going to cost like a thousand dollars. This is going to cost like some serious money. And he had got a sound guy who he met on some movie that was at Sundance. And <laughs> this guy's like a full professional and we're just like, oh, we have to like rise to his level. And, and, and so it sort of it sort of snowballed really quickly into being a real thing. And then once we started getting footage back, we were like, oh, this isn't terrible. So, it's phenomenal. <laughs> just saying. So like when we started watching this stuff back on the road, I think we were like, oh, we should keep taking this seriously probably. <laughs> and then we thought we were going to do one or two days when we got back to New York. But then we wound up doing shoots on weekends because I was producing. I was fully working at the time. Yeah. I had a Monday to Friday job that I got as soon as we came back. And so we wound up shooting on weekends for like months after that. And it was, I was fitting in a full, <laughs> a full movie production uh, on the two days of the week that I could. But um, yeah, so it became more it became a more full movie that required more full funding over time. So I think Will did retroactive yeah. fundraising for it. Yeah. So are you interested then in continuing acting or you want to go back to sort of the behind the scenes producing, directing? Well, so I never stopped producing the whole time of doing the movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I was producing during that time for a show on HBO called why it snacks problem areas that 
was a docuseries. So I have worked in docuseries for a while and I love documentary. Mm -hmm. It makes me super happy. I think it's a great form of storytelling, especially in our political moment. I feel like I always come back to watching documentary and always come every time I read the news, I read something that I'm like, that deserves a documentary. That deserves a docuseries. This deserves a podcast. And so I'll always love that and always want to work in that. But yeah, I, I think that acting will always be like peripheral for me, but it, it's sort of like a package thing, I think, because directing is all about understanding acting and understanding stories. And I do that consistently. And producing is all about understanding how films get made. And, and part of that has to do with, with, I don't know, loving, loving stories. So it's like a trifecta. It's all connected. Yeah. yeah. So, so I definitely uh, could see myself coming back to it, but I I don't think I'll ever just be an actor. Okay. You wouldn't like seek it out, but if someone were like, Hey, I have this awesome film idea, (laughs) you'd be like, sign me up. Which is such like a bratty thing to say, because there are so many people out in the world who would, would die for acting and acting is such an amazingly difficult craft. And, um, I, hugely respect anybody who devotes their life to it because it's just so difficult. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be a, a freelance actor. <laughs> I'd be a, a side side actor. Why not? <laughs> so, you know, it seems like in your role as Kimmy, there are a lot of like Hollywood stereotypes that you kind of broke, I would say. Cause like, you know, she doesn't really follow the rules. She's not the like, I'm going after this crush and I love him. She's kind of just like, listen, I want, I want to save my family business. I got to do what I got to do. And then, you know, whatever happens, you know, watch the movie and people can find (laughs) out. But like in your work as like a producer or director, or even as an actor, if that comes up again, like, do you want to keep sort of applying that mentality of like breaking stereotypes? Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that, Probably everything I've ever been a part of has that as the goal. Because I think any sort of nuanced storytelling can't have stereotypes, if that makes sense. And and there are so many in storytelling because storytelling has been done by the same group of people over and over again forever. So obviously right now we're we're in a place where people are starting to look at, oh, maybe all of these different identities of people actually have more things to say. And maybe if we let them tell their own stories, then then those stereotypes would naturally be broken. So I think just by, in terms of breaking female stereotypes, just, just by being a woman who wants to uh, tell stories, you break them naturally. So yeah, I think that'll be a part of anything that I do. But I also think that anything that I've ever been a part of it has some sort of social justice uh, bent to it. That's all I'm really interested in. I feel like that's the whole point of storytelling is to get other people to feel and get other people to feel the, the lives that they don't live and show them the lives that they don't live. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, and as someone cool. who like hates emotions, <laughs> you're like, I want to invoke emotion. And I'm like, oh God, 
I hate feelings. But I mean, if, if you if you hate feelings in in your in your everyday life, I think that watching movies and watching TV can be a super therapeutic thing where you can like sit down and and sort of experience them in a capsule that's like private, just you and and the screen, and then hopefully that can that can warm people up to then you know carrying things over into their life. But. I have a strict rule in my house that's just like. Nothing sad, nothing, <laughs> nothing dramatic. It's just like happy rom-com. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. I feel like our rom-com wasn't that happy. So just to jump topics a little bit, and I could be so wrong on this. Do you, you do stand-up, right? So I did do stand-up very few times. I was co-hosting a show for about a year, like several years ago. Mm-hmm. And... And would do stand-up uh, on the side to basically try to get better at hosting that show. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Because we had we had real skilled comedians. Uh, and it prepped you show. for the film. Yeah, it prepped me for the film. Uh, and it was, you know, it was very, stand-up is very hard. And it can be very brutal when it doesn't go well. But also, but when it goes well, it's really, really fun. And you get to meet a lot of fun people and and do fun stuff. So for the, for the brief year period that I was involved in it, I gained a lot of respect for people who do it as a full career. Uh, a lot of them would take issue with me uh, talking about stand up in this way, because it's like a lot of people try it out as a sort of hobby and they're yeah. like, it's an art. It's not a hobby. <laughs> um, but I, I've always felt like a, a writer more than a performer and mm-hmm. performance is just like live performance to me is terrifying. Yeah. Like I, I don't love it. I, it's not my best, my best way of being. <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, you can write in your room all day and never really know how your words are impacting people. And so actually taking them on a stage and, especially with comedy, trying them on people and seeing whether or not they laugh. I I felt like it was a super valuable thing just in terms of being any sort of writer or creator to, to try it genuinely for a period of time. But I apologize to all the, all the career stand-up comedians out there (laughs) who are like, she doesn't do (laughs) stand-up. I will say though, I mean, I've heard, and I'm sure people correct me if I'm wrong, that like stand up is also a lot harder as a woman. Do you um, agree with that? So it the, it's such a huge topic. So I worked at a comedy club for a long time before I started doing any sort of comedy. Oh, cool. So I have talked to a lot of actual female stand up comics about this and just from watching thousands of hours of stand up as a person in a comedy club I would say it's absolutely harder. I would say that audiences are always waiting for female comedians to prove themselves in a way that, you know, people also want male comedians to prove themselves. Everybody wants a comedian to prove that they're funny. And everybody is always watching with a sort of nervous idea that they're going to fuck up any minute. And, uh, but it just feels like the bar is higher for women. I feel like it, it can take longer to warm up a crowd and it can, you can just have more people talking shit about you. And it's also harder to get spots on shows. Like oftentimes if you go do a, 
a fish. If you, if you go to a comedy show that's stand-up comedy, I would say it's very common for it to be five guys and one woman. And that's like most places that are, that are traditional stand-up sort of places that are more old school. There's alt comedy environments that are not like that at all. And I think that they're very cool. But in terms of old school comedy, like going to the comedy cellar and stuff like that, I would say that, yeah, women are a huge minority in comedy. Yeah. So not to get super intense here, but... Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you like emotions. Yeah, I love emotions. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, um, I live for that. <laughs> I am curious, just seeing as you have so like such a vast experience within the entertainment industry of so many different areas and sides of production, directing, acting, comedy. How do you, like, have you seen a cultural change since the Me Too movement? And I'm curious, like, how that has impacted, like, entertainment overall in your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I've seen a huge impact. So, I mean, the comedy club that I worked at, I think, was like a horribly sexist environment and was like, just in terms of, the way that uh, performers were treated, male performers particularly, was like anything they do is correct. And anybody who happens to come across their path is expendable. So I think that that being so ingrained, that was only like six years ago that I was working there. So I, I feel like that is still totally a part of entertainment. And I think that it's something that is going to take generations to fully reverse. It's not like Me Too happened and now everything's equal, obviously. But um, I would definitely say that, you know, I don't work in a comedy club anymore. So so comparing that to to television, which I've worked in for years now, I, I definitely feel more equality and, and more, more awareness. I feel more awareness from the men that I've worked for in recent years, I guess it's in the past two years. I, I feel more awareness of like, Oh, should I have said that? Or like, is this the right angle to approach this story? Or maybe we should tell that story. I think that it bleeds over into into more than just sexual harassment, sexual assault stuff, but even talking about like reproductive rights and things like that. I feel like in terms of working in nonfiction, um, I've felt a tremendous amount of openness at the places that I've worked at in terms of looking at things through a female lens. So I don't know if that's a direct, if that's a direct result of, of the Me Too movement, but I definitely also feel like with women, I feel more people talking about people that aren't safe, people that aren't good to work with. And I feel like that I didn't hear as much before. So yeah, I I feel a huge shift personally from the way that I experienced entertainment before me to to the way that I've experienced it after. But I also worked in different places before and after. So it could just be that I've worked for lovely people for the past few years. <laughs> That's fair. But I also think it like you highlighted on some key points that it seems like again, people talking about it, like that's already more like a huge positive shift in the right direction of just like people feeling comfortable. And I think the more people talk about it, it kind of has a boot like 
an effect where it just like ripple effect, I should say, where now that people are talking about it, then like people are less likely to like do the things that are terrible and bad because they know that people are going to start talking about it. So I feel like overall, ideally it has had a positive effect. Yeah. I also feel like, I feel like it's too early in the, in the history of, of the moment that we're in no, that's okay. um, to, to know the full ways that it's impacted everything. Because I, also, I feel like it's sort of created a new paradigm of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. But I also feel like there are plenty of people who, and this might sound very vague, but I feel like there are plenty of people who can, be chameleons and sort of make themselves appear palatable to this new paradigm of what's acceptable. So, I mean, I'm sure that there are a ton of, a ton of executives out there who are like, Oh yeah, that's a good story about women. Let's take it. And then like, (laughs) don't, don't hire any women to work on it. And like, it's not told the right way and it, it comes off with bad messages. So slightly skeptical. Yeah. I I'm definitely, I, I would not take the Me Too movement back. I think that I am glad to be living in post Me Too times, but I think that it's it was so big and it is so big, and I think there's a tremendous amount of backlash to it. You see, with all the people who put Louis C.K. up and are very excited about it and sort of use him as like a how should I say this? Um, <laughs> People who put Louis C.K. up and are excited about it and use him as a sort of like bastion of free speech, I feel like there, there's been a, a bit of a pitting against free speech and women speaking about their experiences. I would agree with that. Yeah, which I think is a totally false equivalency. Yeah. I think it is just the most moronic shit that I've ever heard. Couldn't of, agree more. <laughs> of like, I want you to shut up about your assault, but I want this guy to tell his jokes because I believe in free speech. And it's like, if you believed in free speech, then she could talk and like he can go talk in your basement or wherever the hell you're platform is and like everybody's fine but I I feel like he has defenders who who want to force him onto platforms and um I feel like he has fans who are very excited to hear him talk and I feel like that's a direct a direct sort of uh, defense of abuse but it's being masked as being free speech justice which I think is I think is a very strange thing that's happening right now. I definitely agree. I'm curious, like, what do you think men can be doing to be better allies? Oh, man. (laughs) Um, What can men be better allies? What do you say after Like in the workplace. In the workplace. Or Um, in in any workplace, any working situation. (sighs) Dude, a lot. (laughs) I I would say uh, the thing that has aggravated me the most in my life career-wise working with men is that talking over people just talking just they don't realize they're doing it and it's and it's natural they take up all the space all the intellectual space they want not to generalize not all men do that but (laughs) (laughs) but but I I would say that that's the the biggest issue that I personally have had where like nights where I would go home and feel like that was a terrible day at work was days where I felt like I couldn't get a word in edgewise and no one noticed because everybody was just 
focused on on getting their acknowledgement. So I feel like, and, and, you know, working in TV, working in film, they're tremendously collaborative uh, industries. You have to listen to other people. Otherwise you're not going to know what's going on. Like their departments are very divided. You have to trust other people to do their job and to come and tell you what's going on. And I think that you have to be a good listener to be a, a good coworker. I think that that could be a you know a lifelong thing for a lot of people to focus on. Just let me listen to other people and not cut them off right away. I was joking yesterday that I've started when somebody uh, cuts me off, and this isn't even at work. This is just in life. When somebody interrupts me, I just don't stop talking, <laughs> and I make really. <laughs> I mean, really deep eye contact the whole time. Like, I'm like, you never interrupted me. Speaking is going so well for me right now. (laughs) You are my captive audience. This is great. And you're just like laughing and keep talking. And it's psycho, but it's still, it works. I'm for sure going to try that starting tomorrow. Because I definitely would agree with what you just said. From an individual standpoint, how did you learn to define yourself? And like, how do you turn uncertainties into strength? because obviously it's very difficult to do that in this day and age. I would say I started like, I feel like I started becoming an adult when I started asking myself what I want on a regular basis, which I feel like might come more naturally to certain people than to other people. But I realized that in my early 20s, I just wasn't really doing that in a long-term sense or in a, in a deep sense. I, wa- I was just sort of doing a lot of what I thought I should do to move forward. And I think that sort of makes sense for your early 20s. But I think that, yeah, I really started to feel accountable to my life when I started making time to sit and reflect with myself and and say, okay, I'm going through this work experience or this relationship experience or this friendship experience, whatever family stuff. And is this, is this what I want? And if not, I need to hold in mind the thing that I want and uh, start taking steps to move toward that. And it doesn't matter if they're the wrong steps. I just need to do process of elimination and do the things that occur to me to get closer to the thing that I want. So I don't know if that is like super obvious to everybody else in the world except for me. But um, when I started doing it in a more systematic, intentional way of sitting down with myself and and repeating that sentence to myself of like, what do I want? I It became a lot easier for me to make choices and move forward. And I think that you can start to feel uncertain when you're afraid to just make a decision and like, let it be the wrong one. And just say, I think this might get me closer to the thing that I want. So I'll try that. And that's good enough to just go and do something. So does that answer your question? A hundred percent. I think that's phenomenal. Okay. So I love to ask this question. (laughs) Um, What do you think is one of your greatest accomplishments? One of, because there are so many that (laughs) I uh, am probably legally obligated to not talk about. Um, (laughs) I think what I'm going to be most proud of uh, to date is a script that I am currently working on for a short that I'm going to be producing next month. And it is probably the most 
personal thing I've ever written. And I usually write things that are satirical or very surreal and lean more heavily on comedy. And this is going to be funny, but it's also, uh, it's also going to be vulnerable. So I'm really proud of myself and proud of the work for being vulnerable and hopefully also being funny. (laughs) But it's drawing the most from personal experience, which, you know, I usually try to change when I'm making something and try to make it look like somebody else. Somebody else wrote this. I didn't (laughs) write this. This isn't about my life, but this is going to be the thing that's closest to my life. So I think that I'll be... I'll feel like that's a big accomplishment creatively to feel good about doing that. I love that. I think that's amazing. Cool. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Check back soon for another episode of Boss Ladies. 